Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the USC football team with Dan Weber, uscfootball.com beat writer. we got a lot of questions for Dan about the team as they're getting ready for fall camp, going through summer workouts. So send us in your questions. We do love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can leave us a voicemail, 206 888 6755 is the voicemail number, or you go right, right to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page, and you can leave a voicemail for us right there. So without further ado, let's bring in Dan Weber. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, getting ready for uh, uh, missing a, our first time off this uh, this week. Uh, as they, uh, they get a little bit of a holiday for the 4th of July, and then they'll be back at it five days a week. Starting next week, so they're getting really. They've been going four days a week now, but uh, they go up to five days a week, uh, right on through to August. Yeah, it's a busy time for USC football. Even though people are like, oh, it's the off season. It's like, no, they practiced a bunch in June, and uh, by the end of the the June practices, which USC kind of designates as a time we are not allowed to talk to players. Then July practices, we can talk to players again. So when we come back after the 4th of July break, we will be able to interview a bunch of the players. So that's cool. Uh, but towards the end, we got to see just about all of the freshmen coming out there and taking part uh, in these player-run practices, the PRPs. And uh, some impressive-looking young guys out there, Dan. They are as advertised. That's not always the case, you know, when guys come, you know, or – on paper and you haven't really seen them in person, but, uh, man, they're, uh, they're almost more imposing and impressive in person. Uh, I mean, honestly, you stand there at the, uh, you know, the, the entrance to Cromwell field under Locust stadium where all the kids come through. And, you know, like a guy like Roy Helmsley goes by every time. And I think, you know, if I didn't know better, he looks like an NFL veteran, not a kid, you know, that just, you know, he's coming in as a freshman. Uh, but he's not the only one. There's just so many of these, you know, these kids that, uh, just are, uh, they're as advertised. I mean, you know, the, the, the length and the, you know, they always had talked about wanting to get longer and, you know, stronger and bigger bodies that, uh, when they, when you see them in a group, like we're seeing them now, you think, man, this is, uh, you know, I like the linebackers, for example, getting together over there and you realize the two, you know, or maybe even the three most imposing physical guys over there are, you know, our freshmen and Porter Gustin and Osa Messina and, and Cameron Smith. And, you know, these are guys like, you know, 18, 19 year olds. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a, it just has a different feel about it. Just, the, just everything has uh, has kind of changed uh, with the numbers and with the uh, with with the kind of athletes that are you know walking on the field right now. Yeah, it's a, an impressive looking group. It's the number one recruiting class, and and you get the feeling looking at the size and strength of some of these guys, Dan. Like if you went to 
you know, watch Alabama practice and their freshman came in. You'd say that, that that's what this kind of looks like. I mean, there's some really big athletic guys. I mean, it changes the look of the entire team seeing six four, six five linebackers out there and you know, even Tyler Petit, we got to see him for the first time. He's a big tight end, uh, you know, coming in and um, you know, Biggie Marshall, Iman Marshall. I mean, just you don't get corners that look like that all that often. A lot of you mentioned offensive linemen, three defensive linemen that are over three hundred pounds. There's a lot of big athletic dudes. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, how many six one two hundred pound cornerbacks are you know like Marshall? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, Barval Tell, he looks like he's closer to six three than you know he listed six two, but uh, just you know, everywhere you look, you're thinking. Gone, those guys. Uh, I mean, uh, that four four person freshman linebacking group, uh, you know, with six uh, three John Houston and six three plus Cameron Smith and six four uh, Osa Messina and six five Porter Gustin, and all you know, kind of uh, Houston's probably. At, I would guess he's probably like two twenty five right now, but the others, you know, two forty plus. Uh, he's just don't see that. I mean, I don't know that anywhere do you see four guys that look like that. And those are your, that's your freshman linebacking group. I mean, that's just, uh, I mean, that, that's not even where, you know, Brian Cushing and Ray Malaluga and Clay Matthews, cause he was kind of a, you know, undersized freshman and, uh, and Kaluka Mayava, all of whom, you know, got drafted, all of whom started as, you know, rookies in the NFL, the previous, uh, four-man linebacking class at USC, but uh, these guys are really impressive uh, looking, and now, you know, it comes out to how you're going to play, but we've seen enough, I think, on film of these guys playing other positions, or we know about them playing other sports or whatever, that uh, you got to feel like they've got a chance to, to be as advertised. Uh, well, Dad, let's jump into some of these questions because where people want to ask about, you know, how the players look during the summer and all that kind of stuff. So Tarek had the first one. He said, based on the great athleticism that Caleb Wilson has shown, so he's talking about the uh, walk-on tight end from Sarah High School, who's Chris Wilson's son, could we use him in a Thomas Duarte type of role during the season? I think he could use him in a lot of ways. Uh, he catches everything. I mean, he, the first night he showed up, and, and you knew that, well, okay, he's a little, he's kind of played quarterback in high school also, kind of an in-betweener. Uh, I know that, you know, 6'5", he kept growing. I mean, I remember meeting him when he was probably only 6'3", and it didn't seem like it took very long for him to be 6'5". And, uh, and at 220, you thought, eh, maybe. But uh, he was there. I guess practice two, practice one in the summer, there were no tight ends, and he came in, was the only tight end, he must have caught a hundred balls that first night, I think. He was, he was just dying because he was by himself. And then Connor Spears the next week came in and helped out, but, uh, but from the first moment, he, he, he's got the ability to get open. He's got the ability to catch the ball anywhere, and we're talking, you know, he is a basketball player, he can go up and get it. And he can catch it in a crowd. It doesn't seem to bother him if he's being, uh, you know, batted around. So I think there are, you know, a lot of roles that, that he can, he could, you know, fulfill. 
And uh, I wouldn't, you know, I know people think, well, give him a year, let him grow and all that. I think there might, you, he might see the field this year. He might be good enough uh, in, in certain situations uh, where, uh, and depending on all the other tight end, uh, you know, questions that, that haven't been answered yet, uh, there may be a place for him. All right. Uh, yeah, he's a he's an exciting player to watch. So I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing him and and see what's going on there. Let's go, uh, Randy. He says I really love the new format. Any chance we can get Dan to go twice a week? I love all the info inside he provides. Tuesday and Friday or Saturday? So what you working on Saturday? <laughs> hey, Randy's my man. Okay, where to go, Randy? Um, so he said this may have been asked in the past. I apologize if I missed it. Does USC pay for travel expenses for players to come to camps such as the Rising Stars camp or Nike's big camp? Just uh, curious how some of the four- and five-star players make it to so many camps. Thanks and love the podcast. Appreciate all the work the whole crew puts in. Randy. I don't think they – I mean, that's not something that, that they can do. Uh, right. I know there, there are different ways, and, and Ryan may know more about this. He's probably spent more time with uh, the recruiting part of it. I know uh, people come with teams or they come with groups. Uh, they come with their coaches. There are all different ways that, you know, kids – those camps, but, uh, you know, they, uh, uh, I don't, uh, you know, you can pay for them to come to a, an official visit, but those aren't visits. So uh, there may be some ways in which, uh, you know, they can get you know, some of that underwritten, say, going to the Nike opening. I don't know. You may know this better than I, Ryan. You, you, you're going to be going. Yeah. But, so uh, they, I mean, USC can't pay. So the Rising Stars camp is unique because it does get huge. You know, national presence. It did a lot with Pete Carroll. Um, and it was kind of before the opening up in Oregon that was the opening. Uh, the, the Rising Stars camp was kind of like that. That's where like the national players would come to the West Coast. Now the opening, you know, invites people from all over the country and they can do that. Uh, for Nike, that's their private camp and they pay for all those guys to fly out there. Um, so you, so some people say, Oh, it's Phil Knight flying all these national recruits in to be right next to Oregon, which is kind of, you know, there's there's some truth to that, but for USC they can have a camp, but they're not paying for the players to come out. It's really like an unofficial visit um, to USC. But USC and UCLA they actually had their camps on the same day. I think some of that was so you know players could come to the West Coast and uh, ch- uh, check out both places. But I I don't think it's good to have them in the exact same day. Maybe have them next to each other or something like that. But yeah, they're not allowed to to pay for that kind of stuff. That would be, if you're paying for a trip, it has to be one of those five official visits. Yeah. And I do think there are ways which, you know, where teams can help out, you know, like the, your seven on seven team, maybe they do, they travel a lot. Those teams do. And so there are ways in which, uh, your seven on seven coach can, you know, get you there or get several guys there, that kind of thing. I think that, that happens. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, USC, uh, can't do it. All right. Uh, thanks for that. And I don't, I mean, that means if Dan's going on twice a week, that means I have to go another time a week and I'm just doing a lot of podcasts right now. So we'll try maybe during the season, Dan, if you, if you want to, you know, we would always love no, to do that. <laughs> uh, one game a week, uh, one podcast a week. There sounds, we go. sounds good to me. All right. Uh, Dennis wrote in and said, Hey, Ryan, my question is for Dan. What position battle on offense and defense has the most intrigue going into the fall? 
Hmm. I'm not even sure they're battles, but uh, I think you have to be intrigued with how the tailback's going to play out. And it could easily play out with, uh, you know, equal you know, kind of uh, situational you know, things uh, for Trey Madden and Justin Davis. Uh, although I think the more we've seen of, of Dominic Davis, the more we're thinking, hmm, they got maybe you're gonna have to find a place for him. And now, and we haven't even seen Ronald Jones really uh, get a chance to do any of that yet. So, I mean, I think that position, just because um, there are so many different kind of skill sets and and ways in which those guys could play, uh, you know, play into into the offense. So I'm kind of intrigued with with how that's gonna how that's gonna play out. Uh, let's see. On on defense, I think. One of the things I'm interested in is is now that we're seeing Leon McQuay at at corner, I really like the thought of that that they're going to be some somebody pushing you, you know, and maybe that means the more somebody pushes, maybe the more Dory Jackson, for example, gets to play on offense. But uh, but when you see uh, you know Biggie Marshall and Leon McQuay and uh, and uh, you know Kevon Seymour, obviously. Uh, but but that corner position might be real interesting uh, in terms of how that all plays out as well. But 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 those are two one one on each side of the ball that that I might be really uh, you know intrigued with how they how it works out. I think tight ends really interesting because um, we still know who's going to be there and what's going on. And I, the kicker position kind of interesting too. What's going to happen there? It's not offense or defense, but you know we're not sure who the starting kicker is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think and it could work out that that you have that same split again where, you know, where you get Alex Wood uh, as the uh, kickoff guy who really improved the strength of his leg and and, and Matt Bormeister, you know, is the field goal guy. And, uh, you know, th- that way I think would work really well. It would be even interesting if, if uh, say, a walk-on like uh, – uh, I guess the uh, Evan Bigervis, I guess, uh, would be uh, now he's going to maybe be just consistently a punter, and with Chris Alvarado, how that all is going to work out. Uh, but uh, but there will be, as you say, there will be uh, competition at both of those places, and and that that has to be a good thing. Okay, Dan, we got a question from Earl in West LA. So you talked about blue shirts last week, and I'm not sure if my understanding of how this works is correct. I think it means the player is enrolling in school a year ahead of his recruiting class. He is not eligible to play the first year and essentially can have up to five years on scholarship, six if he has a redshirt year. Is that correct? It's also not such a good start, though, I think, with the uh, understanding of the blue shirt. I think uh, they're eligible to play right away, except for day one. They're not eligible until day two. When they, uh, I guess technically, I think it happened in the SEC to some extent. At the end of the summer, they'd know if they had a couple of scholarships left over. And, uh, basically, I think kids were trying out and on day one and they would, you know, determine who, who was good enough to get those scholarships and they were able to give them to them on day two. Uh, they had to be kids they hadn't recruited, hadn't, you know, gone all out, you know, hadn't visited with and, all, there are all kinds of rules about what kind of contact you could have had with these kids, but um, if uh, you know if you 
meet all the the, the rules in terms of uh, the kind of contacts you've had with them and the kind of recruiting you've done with them or not. Uh, they're eligible uh, for a scholarship on day two, and they don't count against this year's class. So they count against your overall number. But let's say many of those teams would have used up all their scholarships for the incoming class, but they, for you know, for whatever reason, they still had uh, scholarships left of the 85. You could give those scholarships out to uh, other kids that were kind of recruits, but not exactly according to all the rules that said they were defined them as recruits. And so, you know, in effect, I think on day two, you could give them a scholarship and it would count against the next year's recruiting class, but it wouldn't count against this year's recruiting class. So that's, uh, that's as much as I can tell you probably about blue shirts. Yeah, we had to learn a lot about those <laughs> starting last year. When, when, when they gave one, the one out last year, and you got to give Sark credit. He came, you know, and that was, I don't know, in the Pac-12, everybody was like, what? What's a blue shirt? I know, you know, I don't think we've ever seen USC use it. And then there were people said, oh, yeah, they do that all the time at the SEC or the ACC, but they didn't, you know, they didn't do it in the Pac-12 much at all. So, uh, you know, give Sark credit for coming up with, uh, with that for a USC program that almost always had scholarships under their limit that didn't have enough, uh, you know, the first year grants to, to be able to make, you know, to make it work. So that was a, a, a you know, you're kind of deferring. They're going to count on you the next year. They're going to count against your recruiting class. But, uh, but if you have immediate needs, then you're better off, uh, you know, going ahead and, uh, you know, giving the kid a scholarship on day two and, uh, you know, charging him to next year. All right, let's go to Sean, Dan. He says, hey, Ryan, greetings from Canada. Thanks, Sean. We uh, we love hearing international questions. Always fun. Just wanted to thank you and your team for the extensive coverage of the summer workouts in the Rising Stars camp. You guys killed it. Thanks very much, Sean. Uh, I've seen player-run practices in years past and have not noticed, and I've, no, I'm sorry, I've noticed that certain players cannot don the USC logo if they're incoming freshmen. I've seen JUCO guys like Isaac and Whitney allowed, while guys like Jonathan Lockett weren't, probably because uh, he just happened not to wear an SC t-shirt. But he said, I think it's the, a real cool rule. You have to earn the right to rock the SC logo. I think it's got to be pretty humbling for high-profile recruits to come in as a priority but have to earn their respect. What is the team rule about wearing an SC logo in the player-run practices? Well, I... According to uh, equipment manager, director of equipment, Todd Hewitt, he said that that basically evolved while Pete was the coach, and um, it was just a it was just a Pete deal uh, that they wanted the kids to earn earn the SC you know SC stuff, and so uh, they actually order complete sets of gear you know for the incoming freshmen, but there are there's no trim, and so they get black shorts with white a white stripe. Whereas the, uh, uh, the guys that come back, you know, that, that have been through at least one, like spring practice, and then they've made the team, uh, you know, they get black shorts with red and gold trim and their number on the shorts. And they get, you know, an SC logo on the t-shirt and, uh, and the number on it and all of that. So it's really down to the, you know, they've got it down to a science in terms of, uh, of all the stuff. But I mean, they get, the, you know, those incoming freshmen, everything is, uh, you know, geared to, you know, what size, what, you know, everything that they get is, 
exactly theirs. It's just, uh, you know, they're going to have to go through a, a season and then they'll, uh, you know, they'll be able to, uh, you know, they won't be freshmen anymore. They'll be able to wear the FC stuff and all that. I'm not even sure. There might even be during the year, I think possibly by the fall, uh, after they've gone through fall practice, I think by then, then they're not freshmen anymore. I mean, then they consider them, okay, you're on the team, you've made it, uh, and everybody then goes to the same, uh, same gear. But you've gotta earn that gear one way or the other, going through spring practice, going through, you know, all the things that happen in the winter, going through summer. Uh, I think kind of summer plus August gets you, uh, team gear. Okay, that makes sense. And, uh, yeah, this is a cool little tradition. I, I think, uh, on Monday I saw Tyler Pertit had an SC shirt on, but it was inside out. So he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And I think some of those kids were buying them at the bookstore or, <laughs> or, and, and I do think if they, if they're wearing one that they're wearing inside out, it might be, you know, that one of the other kids gave it to them. Uh, I think there is some of that going on. They're even not allowed to give like the kids like, uh, you know, Biggie Marshall and those guys who aren't really enrolled yet, who are coming in, just driving in from Long Beach or wherever. Uh, they're not even allowed to give them their uh, shoes. So those kids uh, uh, very often are wearing their own shoes, you know, from high school, or maybe somebody has let them let them borrow some shoes. But uh, but there are some rules in in terms of you know what they're allowed to do, what they're allowed to give them, and uh, you know some of those kids like a like a biggie, he doesn't even have the freshman gear yet because uh, those kids you know aren't in uh, aren't enrolled yet. Uh, well, they're going to be enrolled in the next week, yeah. but um, but then they can go to the official all the official uh, team meetings and weight stuff and all that. Right now, till they're enrolled, they can't. Let's go to Ryan and HP. So I think he's talking about Huntington Beach, Dan. I'm Ryan and HP Hermosa Beach, but we don't usually oh, there call you it. Go. We don't usually call it HB, so HB I think it's probably, one and HB two. I think HB is usually Huntington Beach, but uh, I'm I'm not a native California. We'll so. call that HBOC. <laughs> uh, he says, "My understanding is that Taylor McNamara graduated from Oklahoma. Can you confirm the transfer rules and why Taylor is counted as an initial counter, which was delayed to the 2016 class as he qualifies for a blue shirt, but an upperclassman walk-on who was awarded a scholarship would not count as an initial counter?" Well, I mean, he's, he's, this is his first time, you know, at USC. He's, uh, uh, he's, if he were, uh, say, gosh, I'm trying to think how he could do that as a graduate student and not be, I don't think there's any way. If you're coming from another school, I mean, and it's your first time at USC, then you're going to be, uh, an initial counter. I mean, I don't think there's any, any way around. The only ones who don't count as initial counters are, uh, um, uh, walk-ons who've been here two years and then are able, you give, they are able to take one of the 85 scholarships and they don't count against your 25 for that year. But I think that's the only way, uh, you know, to get around not being an initial counter. I think, you know, schools, uh, anybody who comes in is uh, the first time coming in, uh, for a scholarship. Uh, is going to count as an initial counter. You'd have to come in without a scholarship for two years before you wouldn't be counted as an initial counter. And I guess they could have changed that rule if they wanted to for grad students. If they would have said, you know, if you graduate and you're allowed to go and transfer uh, and you don't have to sit out, 
uh, will also say you don't have to be an initial counter. But I, I think uh, that might have been the kind of thing. They're, they're worried already about too many kids transferring, especially in basketball. And so I don't think they want to make it too attractive because teams might start shopping around the country, you know, for players if they could get them in and didn't have to count them as an initial counter. That, that would be, uh, you know, they already don't have to sit out. And I don't think the NCAA uh, is, is crazy about that thought. All right, Dan, we got one last question from David. Now, this is, uh, I don't know, <coughs> excuse me, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this because I did not listen to this one yet. But he's saying, please listen to the last 13 minutes or so of the last Fox Sports college football podcast called The Audible with Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel. I thought Bruce did a nice job of defending USC, but Stuart had no sympathy for us. What do you and Dan think of their answer? Um, so they, I know someone, people have tweeted me about this. They were talking about, the sanctions, and I guess Bruce was basically saying that USC got screwed by the NCAA and Stewart was more of a, they cheated and, and got caught for it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I get here, and, and this is the, the thing you have to probably understand when you're listening to those kinds of podcasts. You pretty much have to have a point and counterpoint. I think it wouldn't be nearly as interesting if, uh, you know, they both took the same point of view. So, uh, I don't know if you watch, uh, Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon, but, uh, uh, I think they'd mostly rather not agree. So whether, uh, let's say this, Stewart's a smart guy. Uh, and you can be cynical or not cynical or whatever. You have to know. What happened to USC? You can't be somebody. I think from what I, and I did not hear that podcast and I probably need to go listen to it, but from what I heard, it was more of a case of, oh, get over it, get on, move on, you're doing, cause if you're like Stewart, he went to Northwestern and he's looking at USC and thinking, what the hell? You guys are, you know, people were pushing you for the college football playoffs coming off of you know, uh, three years of NCAA sanctions. One of those years you were picked as number one in the preseason. You know, one of those years you guys, you know, finished with a team that probably could have won the national championship if they'd been let, allowed to play in the bowl game. So I think with Stewart, it's like kind of, come on, you know, you're USC, you know, quit complaining. Uh, I don't think if you push came to shove, uh, Stewart would, would even attempt to defend the fact that USC was cheating or should have been punished like that. I, he, Stewart's too smart to, uh, to actually believe that. I think that he may have been taking some dramatic license. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Bruce should, you know, say, well, I know, Bubba, I'm out here, you know, closer to the US. Although Stewart's also moved to California. I think it's interesting that, both of them now live in California. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so, uh, but I think I think I think that was more for the uh, you know dramatic tension of the show that you could have two points of view on that question. But I I wouldn't take it to heart too much. I mean, Stewart knows what happened to USC. He, you know, I mean, if he doesn't, he's the only person covering national college football <laughs> who doesn't. <laughs> we'll have to. I mean, we're buddies with both those guys, so we could. Uh... Maybe we'll get uh, Stuart to come on and talk about. I have to listen. I, I apologize. I haven't listened to that podcast yet, and I, I feel bad. Bruce is a good friend of mine, so I, Bruce, I'm listening. I like to listen to your show. I just haven't listened to that one yet. 
Uh, so we'll we'll check it out. Yeah, we've though. been told we've been told to listen to it, so we will. And I have, and they do a really good job. I mean, it, it is. I mean, I listen to most of them, and uh, it's fun to listen to them because we really do know, you know, where they're coming from and what they're thinking, and uh, it's fun. Uh, it's you know, it's fun to, uh, you know, and they hear. They know what we're thinking. I mean, you know, they they can't avoid it when they come around. They'll <laughs> and, and the, the good thing about them, why they're you know so good at what they do, they want to find that out. They want to ask you. I mean, uh, you know, the guys that are there every day, uh, they want to know what do you see, what do you think, and uh, and then they make up their own minds, obviously. But uh, but uh, no, I, we really uh, like them and respect them, and they do a heck of a job. All right, well, Dan, great stuff. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Switch it up, do a Wednesday show this week, so we move things around a little. I'll be uh, traveling over the 4th of July weekend, and next week we'll be um, up at the opening, but we'll still try to do a show. We'll kind of play that stuff by ear. But thanks again for coming on, and we look forward to uh, some more fun weeks of covering this summer workout schedule. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the benefits of, of doing UFC is these summer workouts. I mean, I, I go back to the very first summer, I, the day I got the job and came down to, uh, you know, I had never been on Howard Jones Field. And I remember I got the job at, at Riverside Press Enterprise and I was covering both USC and UCLA. And I said, you know, I wonder if USC's working out. It was in July. I wonder if USC's working out. And I, I, I got down there and walked out on the Howard Jones field and there was, uh, there was Carson Palmer running the, uh, running the offensive guys and Troy Palomalu running the defensive guys. And they were coming off of that 6-6 record. And I'm looking at, looking at them and I'm saying, how, how bad could this team be? You know, Carson Palmer, Troy Palomalu. Uh, and, uh, I do remember thinking how much I picked up just by going to the one practice and, and, and you saw, you know, and I started telling people, hey, you should go to summer practice. These guys are going to be pretty good. And I know there were people on the beat who looked at me like I was crazy. And they're like, no, come on. You haven't been around here long enough. I said, no, you should go watch them in the summer. They're, they're pretty talented. And uh, so I think you really can get something out of out of watching them in the summer. And I think we really enjoy, you know, doing that. It's obvious we do. Yeah, we certainly do. All right. Well, Dan, thanks very much. And everyone else, you've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.